welcome, welcome, welcome to the Offstage Podcast. So glad that you're taking time to jump in with us. Hope you're having a great week. We've had a busy week around here, the offices, and had a little bit of time out of the office and running around. Good for my head, my heart, my mind, but back in the swing of things and with the amazing team today, Mr. Sam Afori helping pull of us off, our media director, and we have Miss Kezia Flores behind the camera making it happen. They, they, they're the rock stars that pull all of this media and social media stuff together, so big shout out to them and uh, all the team at Free Life Chapel. As we run this podcast, and uh, just kind of a, a, a side note that we run next to our Sundays. Some of these things I can't get into on Sundays. Um, they're more teaching format, and these are to really equip and strengthen your faith. Maybe give you another perspective of the Christian faith that you've not looked at, seen, or heard before, but very much a part of our root system that we would call our Hebraic roots. We are Judeo-Christians. You hear me say this quite a bit, but I want to keep driving that point home. We're not just Christians, we're Judeo-Christians, and the Judeo aspect is very important. And so that's what uh, this podcast is about, really trying to address those aspects of our faith that sometimes get overlooked or uh, really not qualified the way that they should be. And I want to jump into another one of those uh, perspectives and concepts today. Mark chapter 12. Let's look at uh, a couple of verses of Scripture here, and we're going to go from the New Testament back to what most call the Old Testament or what I would say the Hebrew Scriptures or the First Covenant. Uh, let's look at this uh, real quickly. Uh, Mark chapter 12, uh, verses uh, 28 through 31. Here's what, here's what the Bible says. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commands, which is the most important? So this is a rabbi coming to Jesus and saying, okay, you're a rabbi, you're a teacher. I want to know from your perspective, which of the commandments, the things that Moses taught us, what is the most important? Uh, verse 29, Jesus is responding back to this rabbi. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Get this down. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus did not randomly come up with these commands. Jesus did not make these up. Jesus was actually just repeating what he had learned as a little boy. Uh, and the, the, what he told this rabbi in response was actually something that the rabbi knew uh, was also raised knowing this scripture because every little boy, every little girl, every Jewish family they all were raised knowing this scripture. This is probably the first passage of scripture every Jew learns as they're growing up. Where does it come from? It actually goes all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. And I want to take you there today, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here's, here's what I want us to, to realize, that, uh, or be reminded, I guess I should say, that Jesus was a Jew. Uh, he was not a Christian. He was a Jew and was raised as a Jewish boy in a Jewish home by Jewish parents in a Jewish culture, uh, spoke, spoke Hebrew, spoke Aramaic. This was his world. And 
to understand a lot of what Jesus said, we've got to put him back in context. And in doing so, in this passage, he's talking with the rabbi. The rabbi questions him on his perspective of the teachings of Moses, which is the most important. I mean, can you imagine someone asking you, what's the most important scripture in the Bible? How would you answer that? What's the most important scripture? And Jesus retorts and comes back with this one verse. Actually, it's two verses, but he puts them together and makes it the foundational hook that everything in the Bible stands on. This is what Jesus uh, tells him. And it goes back to what Jesus was raised to know, and it's called the Shema. S-H-M-A, the Shema. Um, and here is where Jesus is quoting from, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. You'll, this will sound familiar because Jesus just quoted this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Jesus was quoting right back to the rabbi the very verses he was raised to know as a child, the very same verses this rabbi was raised to know as a child, the same verses every Jew was raised to know as a child. This is exactly what he's speaking. And then the other verse, as he talks about love your neighbor as yourself, come, actually comes out of Leviticus 19, and he puts those together, love God and love others as yourself. And Jesus says, if you can do that, you have taken care of every other passage, every other fulfillment of the scriptures. You've fulfilled it. Now, it's a big statement, but when you think about that, uh, really isn't it just just doing that, loving God properly and loving others properly the way we love ourselves properly. If we can just get those three components of love down, that's going to be a lot all by itself. That will keep us busy for a long time, right? In fact, I've heard it said, and I love this, we don't treat our spouse's wrong. We don't treat our neighbors wrong. The truth is, usually if we're treating others wrong, it's because we've treated God wrong. And if I'll start treating Jesus better, I'll treat other people better. I'll treat myself better. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. If we can put our love back in proper context with God, with others, and ourselves. all of a sudden we're not fighting to try to make things happen uh, with others, relationships to get a health. It all works. It all clicks. It all runs together. Let me make sure my phone is off here because that wouldn't be good to have my phone ringing while we're doing all this, right? Exactly. Very good. So this, this is what Jesus is doing. He is actually quoting back to the rabbi what they understand, what they know. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. What's interesting about this passage that Jesus just quoted is this passage um, is a prayer that is prayed two times a day by Jews, practicing Jews around the world. They pray it morning and evening. I will come back to that point and tie that point into a passage, a story in the Bible that you never connected it to, but it's going to make full sense. It's one of those hidden Hebraic insights that unless you understand this, you won't understand the other passage. We'll get there in a minute. So two times a day, they're praying this prayer. It's been told many, many stories of Jews as they were in the Holocaust. In their last dying moments, they are praying the Shema, Hero is the Lord our God is one. Uh, people that are on the Jews that are on their deathbed, their last dying words, they're praying the Shema. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. It is the center point that that you build everything from there. It's the foundation stone of Judaism to know and understand this. But I want you to understand something. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. It's not, it's not so much a statement of monotheism, like there's only one God. We're not paganistic. There is one God. It, it, it does state that for sure. There's veracity to that. But more than stating that there's only one God, more than a big doctrinal statement, what it's actually doing is stating, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, because we believe that Jehovah God is God and God alone all by himself. That reality demands an action, a response on my part. I can't just believe he's God alone, but if I do believe that he is God and God alone, there's no other God like him, no other God beside him, then that means I must respond to him based on that. And that's the power behind uh, one of the keys that I want you to understand in this podcast today is is that uh, in Judaism, uh, the focus is not on belief, the focus is on action. This is one of the reasons I love uh, the faith and the and the and and, and the the living out of of the Jewish faith is its action. In other words, if God said it, I'll act on it. Maybe even f- before I fully believe it, I might still be struggling with it. But I'm going to do it just because He said to do it and understand it later. Do it now, understand it later. It kind of sounds like parenting, right? Uh, you tell your kids to do something, and they're like, "But why? But why? Just do what I told you to do." Because if they'll just do what we told them to do, they'll get the blessing of it. And probably in the process of doing it, they'll get the understanding themselves. There's something about doing, even without understanding, that still brings the increase and the blessing in my life. You see, that concept is very different from modern Christianity today. Modern Christianity, we have a very Greco-Roman, a Greek perspective to our faith. There's a Judaic perspective and a Greek perspective. The Jewish perspective is action over belief, not not discounting belief. Belief is important, but action first. But in Greek, the mindset is we celebrate belief over action. Plato, Socrates, all the wisdom, right? They they were very impressed with what you know and and, and intellect, and and they they worshipped the, the, the holiness of beauty. They were all about just what could be engaged with the mind, with the soul, feel good. That's a Greek mindset. Judaism was like act, move, believe later. Greek was believe and then do it if you feel like it. In other words, it was more about intellectual ascent as opposed to advancing my life. And this is a, is, a, is a trap that we have to watch in our walk and our faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, the word says, faith without works is dead. Don't get caught in the trap of knowing more about the Bible than we're living. Make sure that the Bible that I understand is something that I'm also walking out in my life. I'm not just an intellectual believer. I'm also one who is walking out practicing that thing that I know. Because to know it and to not do it, the Bible says that's sin. I'm missing the mark. I'm not, I'm not hitting the bullseye with my life if I know more than I'm living. And the truth is, as Christ followers, more of us, the truth is, we all probably know more than what we're living. Uh, engaging and walking that out is tough. We know we're supposed to forgive, but do we? Uh, 
Uh, we know we should worship. We, we should spend time with God daily, but, but do we, right? I mean, this is something we all struggle with, starting with the guy sitting behind the microphone right now. We've all got to engage our faith. This is exactly what's going on in this passage here. As Jesus is called out, and he, uh, his answer is, well, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. It's a statement of uh, because God is God alone, uh, we now must move towards him and engage this. Do it, worship him, and even understand the power of it later, but engage in your, war, in your walk towards God. The word Shema is an interesting word. It literally means to hear. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Shema is, is, is where we get the word for hear. And in Hebrew, this is an interesting word. It doesn't just mean audibly take in sounds. That, that's not what hearing is. Hearing in the Hebrew has three different, three different words. Uh, it means this. It means to listen. It means also to understand. And it means to do. Listen, understand, and do. Now, let me give you those real quickly. Hear, O Israel. Hear the people of God. Hear, uh, listen, understand, and do God's people. The Lord our God is one. Because he's God alone, we should be listening to him. We should be understanding. We should be doing. What does that mean? Listen, give myself, put myself in a place that he has my attention. Give him ear to my life. Sometimes that means I turn the TV off. It means I turn off the internet. I, I'm shutting things down so I can get to where he is and he can speak to my heart. Listen, give him attention. Not just listen, but understand. Now I've got to give him my mind. I will give him my thoughts. I will start to search out understanding about God. The word tells us that if we seek him, we'll find him. Come after me. Give thoughts, memorize scripture, apply this word to your heart. David said, I'll put your word in my heart that I will not sin. I won't miss the mark against God. Put your, engage your mind towards knowing God and then do it. Act on what you know. So this word Shema, which is the word for hear, H-E-A-R, hear, O Israel, it literally means to listen, understand, and do. It's more than just taking in information. I've got to understand him, pursue him with my mind, and I also have to move towards him with the actions in my life. Listen to God, and it, which literally means obey me. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, through the first covenant, you'll find the word obey in the Hebrew is many times the word shema uh, translated there. So it's interesting that obey me, this is what I want you to do. And we see this actually happening in Exodus chapter 24, verse 7. Exodus 24, verse 7, Moses has been on Mount Sinai, and he's getting the Ten Commandments, right? And he's coming down, and he's talking with God's people, all the Israelites, and declaring to them what God is giving him to tell them. And here's what the Bible says. Let's see, uh, Exodus 24, verse 7. Then he took the book of the covenant, this is Moses, and read it to the people. Listen to this, because this is twisted. They responded we will do everything the Lord has said, and we will hear. Do you see the conflict? It sounds like it was written backwards. We will do what the Lord said, and we will hear. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. You, you, you're supposed to hear it and then do it. No. What it's stating here is Israel was declaring in their own understanding of Shema, because the word is Shema, we will do it even before we fully understand it. 
Whatever God said, it's got to be life. Whatever God said, it must be truth. Whatever God said, it's good for me. Even if it's beyond my immediate understanding, I'll do it now, understand it later. I love this kamikaze, all-in, bum-rush towards God that His Word is life. His Word is truth. I will believe what He said ethically. Relationships, money, how to handle uh, enemies in my life, people who want to abuse or come against me. How do I handle that? How do I handle business, integrity? How do I handle forgiveness in life? You see, all we, we have our own perspective because we have feelings, and feelings can get in the way of our doing sometimes. I don't feel like doing it, but it's when we choose his way over our way, God's thoughts over our thoughts, God's uh, God's word over our word. When we do it his way, we get his results. We can stiff arm God all day long. We can argue whether it's true or not. At the end of the day, it's only God's truth that's going to be standing. So the sooner we just do what he said, then eventually we'll experience the results of actually walking that truth out. In other words, here's what we're doing. We are going to act our way into feelings instead of feeling our way into actions. I will do it now and let my feelings catch up with my actions instead of waiting for my feelings to be okay with me taking that step. Because the truth is, none of us would ever take that step. Forgiveness is not something you're going to feel before you do it. It will be a decision before you make that, before you make that, uh, before the feelings ever arrive. This is exactly what God is saying, and this is what Israel responds. Before we even understand what he tells us, we'll, we're committing, we'll do everything that he said, and we'll follow through. Man, don't, don't we need that in our life? I mean, think, think about how much better it would be if we just accepted God's word at face value. What he said, I'll do it. What he said, it's truth. What he said, it's life. What he said, it's good for me. If I would just embrace it and walk it out and then get to enjoy the fruit of it later and hopefully be able to understand it. But even if I don't understand it, I'll still walk it out and do it anyway. Here's what I found. I don't have to understand everything financially in order to invest the way a professional tells me and I get the results of it. Understanding may not be there, but the response, the return on investment is going to happen if I'll just follow the information of someone who knows better than I. This is exactly what God's Word is saying. If you'll just follow me and how to invest your life, you're going to get a return on this this investment of action and then later on understanding and feelings will catch up with all of that. This is what God's Word is saying, and we can apply this to our lives in every area of our life. Let God's Word be true, and let it speak back to all of us. Here's what's interesting to me. In Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us make man in our image. God is speaking, and, and we, it declares that you and I are made in the image of God, and, and I love that. But here's what's interesting. If God was going to make someone in his image, put it this way, there's nothing incomplete about God. There's nothing missing, nothing broken with God in his character, in, in his attitude, his heart, fulfillment. He's whole in and of himself. He's self-sustaining. Yet, you and I have some missing pieces in our life. You and I have an incompleteness to us. Uh, there's, some, there's some cavities. There's some empty things missing. And it really, I believe, comes back to the place to where we're not made in perfection. We're not, we're not made in completion. We have weaknesses. Uh, we have failures. We have struggles in our, in our life. And here's what happens. 
I believe that God made us in his image, but in his wisdom, he held back on making us fully complete so that we would have a joint job with God on walking out the fulfilling of our lives. If you and I arrived already complete, there would be no need for God in our life. If there was no need, if there was no empty place that needed to be fulfilled, we would not go after the answer. It's only when you're hungry that you reach for food. So here's what here's what God's word is saying. I made you in my image. My fingerprints are all over you, but when I put you in this world, I pulled the plug out of the middle and left a vacuum, a cavity. And now I'll give you the command to shma. I gave you the command to hear, to listen, to understand, and to do. And if you'll fulfill and follow through with my word, I will fill the empty place. And what will happen is you will in, you'll gravitate. You'll pull me in. You and I will go into relationship. And I will fulfill every empty place in your life. And now you and I are walking together in tandem. Nothing else will fill the empty place. But I'm going to made you. I made you in my image. Took the middle out. Gave you the command to now seek me and I will fulfill every empty place. That's what the Shema is all about. Seek me and you can know me. You'll experience me and together we'll walk this out in relationship. You'll discover that I'm the best thing that ever happened to you. And then you'll walk out this fulfilled life. But you're going to have to trust me. This is, this is what God did. He set us up to need him. God would be a fool to make anything in our world that had the capacity to replace him in our life. If he did that, there would be another God that would be his equal. Instead, he said, I'm going to be the only thing that will ever ever satisfy. You can try other things, but at the end of the day, you're going to find out they all fail because as your creator, you're made in my image, and wholeness will only come when you shma, when you listen, you give me your time. When you understand, when you seek me with your mind, and when you do, you act upon what I'm telling you. When you put those together, your life will be whole and complete because you found that I am the greatest one in your life. This is, this is what God lays out for all of us. Give him our attention. Engage my mind and my thoughts and act on his word. We have to shma every day of our life. I encourage you to memorize this passage of Scripture. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Put that together. Let that become a mantra. Let it become the core of your life. And here becomes the, the, the key that I love that's kind of hidden away in Scripture that we don't see, and we're going to wrap it with this. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse uh, 16. 1 Samuel 17, I hope I've got, I think I've got it here somewhere. It's, it should be in my Bible. It's here in yours. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is the story of a guy that you've heard of before, uh, David and Goliath, right? Great story. Uh, big, ugly Goliath, Philistine. He's coming and he's taunting the entire nation of Israel. Israel's on one mountainside. Philistines are on the other. Goliath would come down and he would stand in the middle of the valley and he would yell across the valley, taunt, mock, uh, smack talk the entire army of Israel. And Israel was so afraid, no man wanted to go out and challenge or take on Goliath. We know the story. David shows up and goes, why is this guy here? Why isn't anybody taking him out? David runs to the battle, defeats him, cuts his head off. Amazing story. Someday we got to do a podcast just on that story because it's amazing. So many insights there. 
But there's a verse of scripture in this story that we overlook that's connected immediately to the Shema. Here's where it is. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 16. Here's what the Bible says. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward, talking about Goliath, came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. What this passage is stating is, Every morning and evening, Goliath came down and he mocked and he taunted uh, Israel and their God. He was smack talking God. Your God is not great. Your God is not able to defeat me. Your God is weak. We are stronger. Your God is not able. And he was literally talking to them morning and evening. Why did Goliath come morning and evening to taunt them? For the very reason that David almost lost his mind and said, why has no one taken this guy out? Do you know what Goliath was doing? Goliath showed up at the time that Israel was praying the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And if he's one and if he's God, there's no one greater then why do we not act on the fact that he is God and we can take out any enemy that would dare defy or mock our God? Goliath was showing up to disrupt their prayer, confession, declaration, their statement of faith, and their declaration that he's God and we can move forward. He was disrupting their activity in who God was because he was disrupting their declaration. You see, self-talk is important. Your prayer is important. What you say about yourself and what you say about God is critical. And Israel was supposed to be praying this morning and evening, morning and evening. So the giant, the enemy in their life shows up to disrupt their morning and disrupt their evening. And David, because he's a worshiper, because he's used to hanging out on the backside of a hill with a bunch of sheep, writing songs to God, developing his relationship with God, anything that God in David's way of his relating with, worshiping, connecting with God became an enemy to David. And when Goliath was the one showing up and disrupting the morning and the evening prayer, the Shema, the standard, the foundation stone that that Judaism is built on, when the enemy stepped in to disrupt that, David said, oh, no, 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 no. Anything that's stopping my connection with my God, I will take him out. I don't care how big he is, how ugly he is. My God is greater. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And David, because of that being the mantra in his heart, it wasn't just in his head, it wasn't just in his mouth, it was in his heart. He ran to the battlefield and he took the giant out and won an amazing victory for all of Israel and certainly for the name of God. This matters. Hear, O Israel, what are we going to do with the scriptures? Jesus said the most important thing you'll do, the most important cornerstone you can hang the scriptures on is hear, O Israel. Listen to God. Put yourself in a place where he can speak to your heart. His word, Sunday services, in a time of worship, prayer time. Spend time with God. Give him your attention. Number two, understand him. Engage your mind. I'm so glad God doesn't expect us to kiss our brains goodbye and just go all faith. He says, no, I want you to think. I want you to, I want you to dig. I want you to search scriptures. Apply scripture to your heart. Use your mind. Use your mentality. I want you to listen. I want you to understand. And I want you to do. Now act on my word. Act on what I told you to do. That's a game changer every day of our life. Don't let anything get in the way of your declaring who he is listening, understanding, and doing what he said. 
do it before you even understand it because the return is still going to come into your life. Shema Yisrael. Shema Scott. Shema you. That's what we're supposed to do every day of our life. I hope this makes sense. I hope it connects with your heart and your spirit the way that, that, that it does for me. This is one of those cornerstone foundational scriptures in Judaism. But if we can apply it to our life, we'll find our Judeo-Christianity walking out stronger. And we allow this to become the conviction of our life. Not just neat commentary, but something to live by. And if we'll walk it out and do it the way he said, I'll do it and hopefully understand it later. But I'll do it anyway because that's where my victory is. No enemy. I can't let any voice stop me from connecting to the reality and the truth of who my God is and then walking that truth out. David believed that, took a giant out. If you believe it, you'll take your giants out too. Have an awesome day. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. 